to enter the elf tree. Hi there, everybody. Hi there, guys. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And uh, we'll just... It's a brisk 63 degree weather. 63 degree weather (laughs) for episode 69, um, which is uh, Bill and Ted's favorite number. Oh, it is. It's a lot of people's favorite numbers, and it's a dirty number. It's a very dirty number. It's... um, it's Why, Ian? Why the dirtiest dirty? of dirties. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just it's just the next episode for us. Yeah, yeah. We are on the precipice of uh, turning a new leaf, which is you know whenever we get to the like we did episode fifty nine, we're like, oh my gosh, we're on the precipice of mm. seventy or sixty, yeah, yeah. and so it always feels like oh we're about to like not be in the sixties anymore. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it is weird. It is weird. Which is ironic because of what we have to talk about later. That's true. You know, um, that's true. But you got to hang in there with us so we can get to that part down on the road. Down yeah. The, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Or this will all be edited out. Or it'll all be edited. All out. of it. Every <laughs> single. Every single piece of it. Um, Dude, I had to take uh, Maddie to the vet. She's got diarrhea. Is that really what we want to talk about on the show? I mean, I know, Maddie, Maddie I know, diarrhea. I know people at home are curious how no. my dog's bowels are. No, <laughs> uh, no. I mean, the only reason I don't know that it's podcast materials because you and I already chatted about it. That's true. You know, I mean, we know what's. But going the audience on. should know because they care about Maddie. They hear her in the shows. I'm sure they'll hear no, it. No, I, I don't know. I don't think they yeah, do. Probably. I don't think they do. Well, I, it's not that I don't think they care. I just don't think that they're interested in Maddie having diarrhea everywhere. Well, she's not having diarrhea in the house. It's she pants until I have to take her out, and and then she has a uh, sure. A swift little uh, squirt squirt. Sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, dude, what's uh, what's been going on in your world? Man, not this. I got to I gotta call it. I got to call it right now. No, no, this, no. Don't I'm, call it. I, I got we're to, having our We're having our smooth operation conversation. Yeah, I'm just not feeling it. All right. Well, I'm not what feeling you, what this you, whole past two and a half minutes. What, dude, what? Because, because it's the same as you being on stage and flubbing the first half of one of your songs. You're not just going to keep pushing through. You'd stop and you'd be like, hold on, guys. I got to, I fuck this shit up. Let's start over. Let's, let's start this shit over. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. Sometimes when you're in that moment, you have to keep going because that's as, even, if people see you having to stop and start over. I mean, if it's yes. a train wreck. Then I'm just saying in my brain, it's a train wreck. So oh, I got to I got to cancel. I got to cut. All right, all right. Thank you. Hit it. Hi there world. Hi there everybody. I'm Ian and I'm Joe. Joe, how often do you get angry? Oh, like um, angry angry. I, it's you know it kind of comes in moments, but it happens from time to time. Okay. How often? I don't know. I don't know if I want to say. Well, I mean, uh, you your answer was fine. Your, I can answer, quickly, your answer was was fully acceptable. Often, but I quickly stamp it out because I realize well, I'm angry for no reason. That so. was going to be my next part. Is that how how often does it last a while? How often is it is it physically manifested in your your like whole attitude or in the way you like you know knock things around or some shit? You know what I mean? Like how often can people tell Joe's pissed? Well, if you want me to get real, and this is uh, I'm not going to go into details, but like the most recent angry that I got, I was. Woken up by Maddie last night. And God damn it. I know, I those know. Are, those are pretty specific details well, though, dude. But she woke me up. She's had some illness going on, so yeah. she's had the diarrhea and all that. But she woke me up at four in the morning. And for some reason, I, I'm not, I love the morning time, but 
I was just not the four in the morning time. Four in the morning, like knowing <laughs> she, I was, I'm frustrated with she, because she's sick and it makes, because yeah. I can't do anything to help her. Yeah. So I was quickly laying in bed angry, like, angry, why is my dog sick, you know? And it made me feel terrible because I was like, I was annoyed with her, but I know it's not her fault. Yeah. So it's things like that where I'm like, why am I even annoyed? I see when parents get annoyed with their kids in the store. That it's kind of the same thing. It's almost like, man, this is something is thrown off in this very. Uh, we have Maddie's always on this really easy schedule, but now all of a sudden, the last few days, she's been completely thrown off. Sure, and it's thrown me off. Yeah, and so I've noticed my agitation levels have been a little strange. So that's that's the most recent, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they're Not proud of it. Yeah, I. Uh... I irrationally got angry at somebody in traffic the other day, and I don't know why. I, I, I mean, I do, I guess, know why. I, looking back on it now, um, somebody, again, this was this was dumb. I felt really dumb for getting <laughs> angry at this. Somebody was trying to get over, and it was in the rain, and I was already kind of, you know, trying to avoid people, out. avoid people that weren't, you know, didn't didn't look like they knew how to drive in the rain and yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know. And this person came in and they made it, they made it just fine. But I got angry, I got yeah. irritated, and and after that, I was just like, whoa, that was that was not necessary. I mean, at least I'm able to to recognize that, and I know that it's not something that like consumes me. It's yeah. not like part of my personality. It's a it's a thing that just happened. Do you but I'm not have an outburst person. when you get angry? Or are you like, God damn I it? I don't typically anymore. <laughs> um, sure, I, I'm sure I used to. Yeah. Yeah, and and even now, yes, I did. Like at the traffic, that's when that's what made me realize that I was like, oh, man. Like, yeah. why on earth did I get so irritated that I outbursted there? Yeah. You know, there was no need for that. Um, you know, sure, a lot of times it just stays in my own head, which I think is okay. That is good. I, that's self-control. Yeah, I'm able to, to recognize that I'm getting irritated for no reason before it becomes full-blown like anger and, and rage and, yeah. you know, murder and I'm in jail forever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, dude, I almost got a wreck today on the highway. Speaking uh-oh. of highways, on the way back from the vet, dude, people drive so fast in this town. I was on they the do. 134 and everyone was hauling <laughs> ass getting on the highway and all of a sudden this one lane, I guess there's some event going on off to this one rural area yeah. of where I was driving. Yeah. So it wasn't expected for everyone to come to a complete stop because everyone was getting on the highway and just hauling ass. Sure, right. Well, all of a sudden, everyone's slamming on their brakes and I slammed on my brakes and I was like, dude, I'm going to hit this car and I just had to pull off yeah. to the yeah. shoulder and I yeah. went over this freaking weird hump <laughs> sidewalky thing. <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> dude, and I totally ended up next to this car full of people and they were all just kind of looking over at me and I was just like, God damn it. Like a fool. Uh, but yeah. dude, I would have rear-ended him. Yeah. I thought quickly on that my feet. That is better than rear-ending Yeah, him. I was not going to get in a wreck. Yeah. That was not happening. Damn. So. Yeah, I mean, the the situation with anger, anger is not something that's, that's worthwhile, but it is very effective. It's a very effective... One, it's a very effective way to make a decision, but it's not the greatest way to do it. But like, it's a it's a motivator. If you're getting angry with something, then that means that there is something that needs Absolutely, to be changed yeah. or decided. So being able to recognize your anger, I guess, is the motivator, is yeah. the tool. Um, and, you know, I was I was actually listening to some music the other day that I haven't listened to in, in a while because it's it can get angry. Slipknot. It can, it, can be, it can be some angry music. Um, but what's it? And I'm going to read you some of the lyrics real quick. Oh, and it's the end, it's the end of, of the song. Uh, so, of course, you know, at the end of a, an angry song, you got to make an impact. You I'll see if I can them. guess this. So, okay, all right. Um, 
Do you think Let's I have a good chance see. to guess this? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, possibly, probably, possibly, but maybe not. Who you knows? You have doubts. You Who knows? Doubts. I, I, I do have doubts. Uh, I got to read it. I guess I'd have to read it in, in like tone, in, in syncopation or whatever, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, in time. Yeah. I have to kind of read it like you that. You can sing so. it if you want, if you're comfortable. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, let's see. Told you this is my fault. Look me in the eyeball. Next time I'm pissed, I'll aim my fist at the drywall. Next time, there won't be no next time. I apologize, even though I know it's lies. I'm tired of the games. I just want her back. I know I'm a liar. If she ever tries to fucking leave again, I'm a tire to the bed and set this house on fire. Just gonna stand there watch me burn. Oh, shit. I mean, that's angry. That's dark. It's incredibly angry. It's uh, murder. It is. It is. That's arsenal murder. Eminem? It is Eminem. Really? Son of a bitch. Dude. It is Eminem. It's uh, Love the Way You Lie, which oh, is such a beautiful, beautiful song, in my my opinion, mostly because of Rihanna. Mm -hmm. Rihanna's voice makes that song very beautiful, and Eminem's lyrics make it very poetic. I yeah. mean, it's this guy, I've always been fascinated. I mean, everybody loves loves his lyricism. I mean, mm -hmm. he's one of the greatest lyricists I, I imagine that's kind of out there right now, him and and. I, there's a handful. Yeah, you know, Jason Mraz really impresses me with his lyricism and and things like that too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's poetry, man. Like yeah. rapping is poetry. <laughs> it and is. I that stuff blows my mind. Yeah, because I know I write lyrics, but when I see a rapper write lyrics and the way they fit them into something, yeah, it's like uh, it's like dropping marbles in your engine block. They're able to fit things. Yeah, randomly. You know, those marbles are going to end up falling fucking out your engine ground. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they just find places to to put words in the way they'll say a certain thing, yeah. even if that's not the way you pronounce something. Yeah, it makes your tagline for the next word rhyme. It's yeah. fucking genius. Shit, yeah, right? it is. It's not being afraid to not have quote unquote. Uh, perfect rhymes or perfect, you know, phrases and things like that. It, it's it's the it's a evolution and progression of modern music yeah. and and modern poetry. You know, as of as of now, I mean, it's no longer just like the your typical A B A B type of poetry. You know, yeah. you've got Eminem here, and I mean, he'll he'll rhyme eight, nine, ten different words uh, throughout an entire verse, and then suddenly just throw in other. You know, I mean, he he he. It's very clear that he spends time on his rhymes. Oh, for and, sure. And uh, far more than, I mean, I'm sure a lot of rappers do, but a lot of rappers are are rapping about pussy and money, dude. And I, I, yes, while Eminem does rap about all that kind of stuff. What else is there? I don't see this kind of depth. I don't see the depth come out of somebody else that I see come out of Eminem. In addition to this very manic, goofy side that he has. I mean, Lose It, uh, Real Slim Shade. Like mm -hmm. those are fucking goofy ass hard rap songs though. Yeah. I mean, they're very violent, but it's, it's all, it seems to be done very tongue in cheek. And so it kind of makes me wonder how much of, of his persona is just a persona and yeah. how much of it is his actual personality. I believe he's probably a very tortured soul. I mean, yeah, I watched eight mile. I don't know. Again, I don't, in the grand scheme of the stuff we talk about and what is, you know, cause he's an artist at the very top and I do stand by feeling like the stuff he talks about is is so uh, to the people who run all these major labels and and kind of the the control that exists like for an artist like Eminem to blow up like that um you know I do wonder like you how need a Dre. well how realistic is his story I'll never know that but the story that I saw in Ant Mile like it does seem like that is it's going to have such an effect on you right. but he's a business guy like he is absolutely someone who 
knows how to build his career on his own, whether he's on a major or not, he's still going to find an audience. Yeah. And Eminem was somebody who, who basically went to the top of the game completely and really quickly too. Yeah, he did. And I don't know, just when I think about it, it makes me wonder, yeah, the tortured soul thing, that's, that's a, according to a story, I mean, he, I mean, he lived a very real hard life out yes. in Detroit. And yeah, so yeah. all of that stuff, like tying someone to a bed and burning a house down, I've never even thought to write words like that, to even yeah. think that way about somebody. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know his life. And if he was right. mentally abused for so many years yeah. through various experiences, I mean. But I wonder, I wonder if, if I'm capable of writing lyrics like that, I, I know I'm capable of writing lyrics like that. I know I'm capable of writing scripts like that. I Just know even thinking. Anything. I'm capable of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to follow through on those actions? That is far less likely. Um, and, and I wonder how much of Eminem's present personality is present in some of his violent writing. Just because, I mean, maybe it is an outlet. I mean, uh, sure. well, of course it's an outlet. It's got to be an outlet. Every, I believe every artist's artistry is an outlet for something. Well, yeah. I mean, think about Stephen King writing all the books he's written. I mean, he he's talks about some freaking dark shit. You he, know, well, I does. doubt he's off murdering people and creating these really terrible. <laughs> you doubt, but you're not positive. I'm not a hundred. You know, yeah, he could be a sociopath. He and, could be. I mean, you need you need inspiration to write movies like The Shining and uh, <laughs> shit like that. You know, I, I mean, yes, and it. It just makes me wonder, you know, because I know as far as, you know, as an artist, as someone who's trying to share a story whenever you write songs or even make a movie or write anything, your goal is first to write something based on the perceptions of how you see the world. And giving people a glimpse into, like Eminem gave us a glimpse in his lyrics, into his life, and people were really asking a lot of questions. I mean, he won a Grammy for 8 Mile, like for the song. He He won an Oscar. That he won, uh, he Academy. won an Academy yeah, Award at 29 years old. Oh my God, 29, dude! I mean, now granted, people win Oscars for far, for sure. You know, at far younger ages for that kind of shit. But I mean, for one, such a, again, an angry rap song to win an Academy Award. I mean, uh, that was that was a big deal for me. And do, do you think the a, guitar won the Academy Award? <clears throat> clink, 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 clink. Oh yeah, well, I think it's uh, I think it's the producer on the other end of the yeah. headphones that didn't have any snare. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I got no snare in my headphones. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was not a good impression. Of oh, Eminem. that's okay. No, he's gonna he's gonna come get me, dude. This dude's fucking rough. He's gonna tie me to the bed and set this house on fire. <laughs> He'll tie you to the bed and supposedly rape you like Stephen Avery did, uh, Teresa Halbeck on the. Oh God! I'm just kidding. That was that was on the episode we talked about. Inconclusive if that happened or not. But, sure. I mean, yeah. But what made you? I mean, what made you think of this this song in particular from Eminem? About um, I don't really remember. It was I was driving home the other day and and trying to figure out what I wanted to listen to. I like to to switch it up every once in a while, and I just put Eminem on. I, I like nice. Eminem. Like I said, I like his his poetic lyricism. Um, and this was just the first song that happened to be you know shuffled through the playlist, and man, it was it was great. I, I remember. His later stuff being stuff I really enjoyed listening to and and kind of weaving the intricacies of the things he has to say, like No Love. There's a song that he does with um, with Lil Wayne uh, called No Love, and it's got the uh, – he sampled the What is Love? What is love? 
Baby, don't hurt. Yeah, so it's it's kind of got that 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 song's undertone to it, and then the word love is is a part of the. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, it's not like a, it's not like an '80s, you know, kind of a, kind of a song like that. But yeah, Slim Shady wouldn't put that shit out, dude. I mean, he just, he just has a lot to say, and I, I think he's, I think he's very talented. I hope mm-hmm. that, I hope that he doesn't actually harbor these things and fight against these, these demons anymore. I mean, I say anymore. I mean, well, at what point do you literally see your past and go? You know what? Look where I'm at. Everything that is, is the meant, past. Everything's meant to be. Because yeah. that's that's the thing I always think about. It's like, why would you want to be tortured anymore? Like he got them out in these amazing ways, like this poetic way that is abrasive for someone who's growing up in this perfect little suburban neighborhood, and yeah. you're all of a sudden putting Eminem in, With and your Kim mom Basie and dad are your gonna, mom. Yeah, but your mom and dad are ha- gonna have no idea what he's talking about unless you come from that kind of life. Yeah. And and it does become some sort of therapeutic outlet for him. So I would I would hope he's past those kinds of things, and I'm sure he is. I, I can't imagine why he would even linger in that world anymore. Well, I mean, I'm the, sure there's the, still pain. The but. desire to not linger is one thing. Sure, uh, if he's if he's achieved that, I think that's more important than him actually achieving the being able to let go of certain yeah. elements. I mean, you know, there's shit he's probably seen in his life that you'll never unsee, and for and sure. that kind of stuff comes back whenever you least expect it. But it doesn't have to affect you. I mean, anymore. They're, they're supposed to make you stronger. You know, everything that we right. experience is supposed to make you stronger. I know it can, a lot of things damage people and they linger on those things that all of a sudden cause insecurity and it just becomes a tumble, uh, what do you call that? A domino effect of yeah. people not knowing how to handle their own emotions and yeah. things like that. And yeah. that's what you were saying. It's like, how do you, how do people get, go from being angry and all of a sudden you recognize something and you use that anger to go, look, there is something off. Here's yeah. why I'm, I got upset. But the bigger problem is I need to fucking be patient yeah. and I don't have to be anywhere because I'm not going to be anywhere at whatever. I mean, the time is going to be right whenever yeah. I hit point B or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got to have a softer side to his personality because he's raised a daughter. And, you know, I, I just, I don't believe that having a kid requires, you know, you to keep your, your thug life persona up when you're around the house, because I mean, your little princess needs, needs a daddy. Yeah. And, and what do daddies do, man? Daddies watch cartoons with their little girls and, you know, dress up for princess tea parties and shit, (laughs) you know, but he's there, he's there with, uh, with his crew having, having a princess tea party with. Yeah. And it must be hard having, you know, his mom is Kim Basinger. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but she dated Batman. Yeah. She And Birdman, yeah. for that matter. If, if you haven't seen Eight Mile, his mom is Kim Basinger in that movie. Yes, I mean it's it's a very good movie. Uh, it deserved it deserved the attention it got. Um, it was very because I, I watched it about a year ago, and it's literally just a, a glimpse into this one moment in this character's life. Um, it's it's well done. It was well done, and the song is fantastic. It makes me think because, dude, I was reading this article uh, yesterday actually about Richard Simmons. And how he's kind of, um, it was on Dig, but it's a Daily News All article. Right. I know. Let's work. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, you and guys kick. are right. And One, two, three, four. Now double here. That's it. You do it fantastic. 
Work it, ladies. Yeah, Richard Simmons, for those who don't know, who are listening, uh, he's an iconic character um, from, pop, he's a pop culture icon from the 90s, where late like 80s, the, 90s. The, the spandex, you know, jazzercise type crazy. Yeah, he's everyone's favorite workout uh, dude for, for all the moms at home in those eras of time who were looking <laughs> for a way to lose weight. He, he had a, his goal was Before to- Before your soaps. Yeah, I mean, he grew up uh, very overweight. He dealt with a lot of pain- with that, speaking of pain and growing up with physical stuff, pain or like emotional pain, or emotional, you know? yeah. I think sure. uh, more emotional than anything. He kind of ended up developing his own uh, persona of how he dealt with things and he ended up putting them on tapes. Like he, he was never formally trained in aerobics or how to do them. He just created his own exercises because he was an obese person who figured out how to lose weight. And so he ended up doing, he became a professional at helping his type of person. And so he could, he connected to overweight uh, women all over the world, anybody, and essentially became a household staple. Yeah. Um, very flamboyant. He had uh, a fro, fro hair. <laughs> he looks like, he looks like Bob Ross's gay brother. Yeah. Yeah. Red and white striped, real short shorts. Yeah. Uh, tank yeah. tops. Um, but hilarious. I mean, very comedic. The stuff he would say was honestly really funny. Energizing. Yeah. Is, a, is another good term for, for who Richard Simmons was in his like persona on these tapes. I yeah. mean, these were workout tapes, ladies. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he basically, I mean, not that I'm saying ladies need to get into this. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I mean, guys too, but I'm pretty sure, like you said, he connected with overweight women. Yeah. I mean, that, that had to have been. Uh, somewhat of a focused demographic for him. Well, he, you know, he wrote he wrote a book talking about how the things that people would say to him growing up. How it, I mean, even his dad, like it, he grew up in a family where his dad literally ignored him and didn't set the table for him. No, he set the table for his other siblings, but no. not for him. I mean, that's the kind of I have never felt that kind of. Um, that's heartbreaking to even think about, dude. Like even just imagining. I can't imagine doing that. I, even I just as, can't. Even as a punishment, even if it was like a disciplinary action for something that you did, not not being welcomed at the table yeah. is, is rough. I mean, we were, like my parents didn't ever not set a place for us, but mm -hmm. they would set a place for us at the at the like buffet bar that yeah. was kind of attached to the kitchen, but not the kitchen table. Get your own damn place. Yeah, I mean, it, at that point, <laughs> like you knew you were in trouble if you weren't allowed to eat at the table. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a bigger deal. Yeah. I mean, he, um, I mean, there was an instance, uh, where I guess his mom got really sick and his dad physically, um, while his mom was throwing up, like looked at him and was like telling him that it was his fault and look what he did and all these things. It's like, you're what? telling a child this shit. And, oh. and, and so he grew up literally, um, he re he built his own career from nothing, um, and Man, one, you're, one, you could be telling the story of Richard Simmons or Eminem here. I mean, that's in what, terms that's, of in terms of like the emotional abuse and pulling themselves up. But and, I mean, ironically, these two things do coalesce in in the same kind of thing. It's like you're word. emotionally damaged, and you're growing up trying to become your potential. Like he's he's grown up as an obese person. Could could he think at that age, you're gonna be a, a workout icon. Right. And you're gonna have this 40 year multi, multi-million dollar career that's gonna take you all over the world and you're gonna help thousands of people. I don't know how many people he's helped. But yeah. I mean that's that's the thing is I think he's done over 70 workout tapes Whoa. in his career. No, which I mean, is that's, insane. That's I a mean lot. a 40 year career that's easily that's almost two a year. Yeah. You know. I mean yeah definitely but he essentially ended up after 40 years. Now this article that I was reading is about him. He kind of reclused. So he, no one, none of his close friends have seen him, um, 
in the last two years. I think his last public appearance was some charity filmed thing um, in 2013. Wow. Okay. But their concern is uh, is that his housekeeper and his close management is basically uh, the conspiracy theory yeah. around it is that they are keeping him under house arrest okay. and, and on meds and drugged, kind of like Michael Jackson was. Kind of like um, Harper Lee, uh, kind of like Casey Kasem. Yeah. Like, yeah, this has been happening a lot lately. Yeah. I don't know about lately. It's probably been happening for a long time. Yeah. Um, but he's, I mean, he had- take advantage of the elderly because they can't take advantage of them. They can't take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, I watched this Howard Stern clipping of Simmons. He was on and he was, uh, Howard Stern was talking to him about, uh, speaking of Howard Stern, I fucking love their studio setup in there. It's if you ever cool. seen any live yeah. stuff of theirs, it's yeah. cool. Um, but anyway, he was being interviewed and- I know Howard Stern didn't mean anything negatively harmful to him because I guess I guess he would assume Richard Simmons understands he's a flamboyantly man womanish kind of human being like he's yeah. very uh, feminine. feminine yeah yeah and for some reason at whatever emotional state he was in it really affected and dude there's times where I'm like is this an Andy Kaufman put on he got really upset and Richard he left Simmons did. he left the studio he mar- he like just takes the headphones I'm sorry what did he say what did what did Howard Stern say uh, Let's he, roll he that. Trying to, uh, yeah. Was that unbelievable? You were amazing. We you were, were great. Then. And I have a picture of us together in, in in my living room. You dressed up like a man. I remember that. That was wild. And <laughs> really, he did. I'm not being funny. Like, well, a man? What is he? No, he I dressed dress up like, like a, a I dressed up like a, a, a rough Look, let's guy. Let's stop pretending. Richard's not the most macho guy on the planet. He's <laughs> very he embraces both sexes. And he's up like persona. a ruffian. You're yes. sometimes very womanly and sometimes manly. Womanly. Yeah, he, he relates to both sexes. Oh, That's why people it. like him. Is that I'll a bad go, thing? Howard. Whoa. I just wanted to say no, no, no it's that okay. Was wrong. Wait, right. let me apologize to Al Sharpton. Richard, wrong. Richard, Richard, you appeal to both sexes. No, if you want me to call and help you, you let me know. My favorite moment was Richard. Don't leave like this. Richard, you're making a mistake. Don't leave like this. I knew Alan would get out of line. Did I say something wrong? Yes, you said he was womanly. No, he might have, you know, some... Female tendencies. We all do. What? Female tendencies. Well, don't we all? But you can't call him womanly. So that's what he said. Dude, it's a fucking fantastic... I'd walk out, too. So, no, please. I don't know. I don't know You just stick around. I mean, you can't deny the kind of... You look at what people are as characters. Cause yeah. we are all a character. He is very much himself, but he is a character. Yeah. That is who we recognize because I don't dress like Richard Simmons. So he should see the differences in the way I act and hmm. dressed as compared to himself. Yeah. Right. But I guess over the time, I mean, he had this mental thing in the back of his subconscious that just snapped the second, uh, Howard said this stuff, he marches out, leaves Anyway, all that to say, he has some sort of emotional thing where he's now on this medication. Yeah. Uh, this Presently. article, yes, this article was kind of interviewing his former monsieur. Uh, he was <laughs> a personal assistant that worked for him, worked for him for several years. Yeah. And uh, it was just his name is uh, I believe it's Oliveira, something like that. The guy's name. Yeah. Sounds like a pool boy name. <laughs> Pool boy, yes. I mean, Masseur, Pool boy, Cabana boy. It's Mauro Oliveira. Mauro Oliveira. Mauro. But, um, but yeah, he used to go on trips with Simmons whenever he would go do engagements. But yeah. he said there was a time where, um, and this is talking about like, because we were talking about freaking out in traffic. It's like, how do yeah. you deal with these emotional things and how deep are they to where you can't 
you can't stop yourself. Like if yeah. you're so angry, like he, they got in a gondola at one point um, when they were in France. Is that where it is? Uh, Italy? Italy. Italy. Um, and Venice. Venice. And something happened to where the boat kind of tipped a little bit. It was like a group of three or four of them and the water started coming in. Yeah. And so Mardo, somebody start blaming him too. Well, Mardo uh, <laughs> said something to the guy at the gondola, like, yeah. Hey man, like there's, you know, the guy was kind of getting pissed at them because they were, I guess, getting in roughly, I don't even know. Yeah. But ultimately uh, he said, Richard snaps at him so hardcore. He ended up having, he like, had this massive stress attack where he had to put, had a valve put into his heart. Richard did. No, 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 no his the other guy, right. Guy. Cause, cause he was, cause, he was going out there holding his hand through all these things. Cause apparently oh, he just, he would talk about times where all of a sudden he shows up in the lobby in this outrageous outfit with lipstick on and all these things. And he's like, dude, it's about to get rough today. Cause he's in, he could tell just the way he would dress and carry himself. Hmm. What kind of mental state he potentially was going to be in whenever they went out and did something. So he was always like constantly like, Oh shit, is this yeah. going to be something that blows up? Oh no. And so anyway, all that to say stressful. Yeah, uh, Simmons has now holed himself up in his place and all his closest friends around LA are starting to speak out because they haven't seen him in a couple of years. No one's been able to talk to him. These are his closest this friends. This is starting to sound like a little, an Olivia Maybell kind of situation. That's what's weird about it, dude. Like they're, they're like in this article, like his his uh, house assistant or whatever, her name is Teresa Raveles. Um, oh, okay. She's uh, apparently Hispanic. But one of the quotes that was in here, and I'm just going to say, it says, I think tormented is the best word to describe his mental state. She Ola- said this. Olivera says. This is what the guy- Oh, oh, the masseur. His former masseur. Tormented. Yes, because he, he's a part of this article, kind of like as one of the friends that are like, hey, we need to help our friend. No one's talked to him. No one's seen him. Right. He's literally, we don't want to just see him dead one day because he's right. on so many meds. And he, the people who are literally managing all of his assets- Dude, he's a multimillionaire, yeah. you know, and he's now just living in this old school I mean, mansion in Hollywood Hills and isn't stuff. That, isn't that what you tell, isn't that what people tell parents? Like if your child suddenly starts doing something completely out of character, yeah. something's going on that you should probably make yourself aware of. Um, yeah. It might not be drugs. It might not be anything bad. It might just be varying life changes, but that kind of drastic, like cutting people out of your life all of a sudden it, it's it's indicative of something deeper going on, whether that's deeper influence outside of this group of people or deeper mental instabilities caused by, you know, I I don't know, over cardioing yourself throughout your life. I don't know. I mean, that's not true, but I mean, <laughs> who knows? I, I mean, right. I mean, who who knows? So you're you're saying that the masseuse says that he's tormented. I mean, do, tormented yeah. by anybody, or or do you, did he say um, how? Not necessarily tormented, um, because his staff has basically said he's not being held captive. If he wants to go to Starbucks, no one's going to stop him. He's always led a career where he does whatever he wants. So he's not being held. The difference is is the last time this guy and the reason he this Oliveira guy carries any weight is he says the last time he was there and saw him he was basically kicked out immediately by Teresa which who knows what his business was like with Simmons where whether he was leeching off of him and all of a sudden his team was like dude this guy needs to go we got to cut trim the fat here you know all this kind of stuff and yeah, so who you're knows just getting this from that source this that is just source this one might side. be yep. completely Bogus. Exactly. Got it. Um, but, you know, within this article, they do interview a couple other people that were close to him and had very deep relationships with him that are also concerned, not yeah. just this guy. So there are many angles. If this guy was shysty, 
I would imagine they I like would, that word. Well, I would imagine they would have attacked him personally, and and there would be stuff out there about it. It would but, have been quashed pretty quickly. But there isn't. Um, so, but anyway, his quote was: "I think tormented is the best word to describe his mental state. I think it was caused by black magic, witchcraft. Oh gosh, that's not close to your culture, but to my culture in Brazil and the Mexicans, Teresa Ravelas uh, is from Mexico. That is the real thing. They invoke the spirits. They light black candles and red and blue candles. I've never participated." I only saw from a distance, but at services, they do special meals. They offer meals to the bad spirits and light candles invoking with words, Goodness. which I, I mean, this is all ridiculous stuff to me because I, I understand those things are real. People actually do do those kinds of things. Yes. But how that even relates to this article, I do not understand because it doesn't even go further into it. It just mentions, oh, maybe that's what's going on because some of these people feel like Simmons has this dark energy spirit that has literally taken over his beingness. That Almost did the seem same like a, a very random right-hand turn. Well, that's, I mean, that's... For that to be dropped into this article. That Well, that's what's interesting is they feel like he, something has because his behavior's changed, yeah. that's kind of one of the correlations they're putting is maybe there's some sort of dark magic that's put around him because of his relationship with some of his staff and this Teresa woman that's uh, basically his housekeeper Being put assistant. on him intentionally, though? Potentially. Potentially, yeah, yes. So, uh, I, I mean, mean, I don't know. I, and again, so what, does it, just, does it just end the article right there? Uh, does it not address anything more? It doesn't, I mean, it goes through talking about his, um, Simmons depression and stuff like that. Okay. Like, cause I watched a couple of videos of him and it's definitely, I think the, the biggest concern is not that he is possessed by anything. It's yeah. his own mental state of being. Yeah. And I think that's number one. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how much I believe in demon possession. I know that I can easily choose anger and yeah. choose to be completely enthralled and wrapped in and just fucking live that side of me out. Or I can choose to put that out because I don't believe that. Right. And, and those are the two things where I feel, you know, kind of dictate what that could be on a lot of cases. Like what is, you know, what is being possessed? Is it someone who's so literally just, they snapped or is it really a physical yes. I was just going to say this. You know? Like, like you have to define what a demon is. Yeah. Just like you have to define what God is and what an angel is and what prayer is, all those kinds of things. Like you have to define what you're trying to say you do or do not believe in. Well, dude, me getting mad at Maddie last night. Like I wasn't even, I didn't do anything like physically, but it was like just my mental state. I was like, I am choosing this. This is not, why am I feeling this way about my fucking precious little baby, you know? And um, it, it was... That's how I can recognize possession. I'm like, that is me choosing to let some other thoughts possess my true self, which is I love Maddie so much and she needs me to love on her because she's not feeling well. And she's, and it, it was that kind, it's those kinds of moments where I recognize, well, that's me at least seeing it. Some people I don't believe, um, somehow have chosen to be able to see those things. They don't, they've never stopped themselves to actually look at all the pieces of what they're actually playing out Yeah. Um, before they choose the action. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just find yourself in the middle of holding a knife and all of a sudden you're standing there and there's Nicole, uh, what's her name? Nicole Brown. Nicole Brown in uh, Goldman or yeah. whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, whatever came with that, the whole OJ knife found in the yard. No idea. Thing. No okay. idea. But I mean, at this point, I think it's, I mean, again, it can't mean anything as far as OJ is concerned. Yeah. I mean, yes, they might actually have a more full, complete idea of what could have happened, but they can't re-prosecute him. Yeah. So it's it's a moot point. And he's in jail right now anyway. Right? He's in jail anyways. Right, exactly. So, I mean, he's, 
he's where he belongs. Same reason it's like Leonardo DiCaprio got his Oscar for the role they gave it to him for. No, that's not why he should yeah. have had the Oscar. Arnie he Grape. Should, yeah, I mean, he should have had the Oscar for that. He should have had the Oscar for uh, The Aviator. He did an incredible job in The Aviator. He was great in The Django. Departed. Django, he did a great job. He was a supporting actor in that. Dude, he I'm, cut his hand on the table. Like he, well, uh, I mean, sure, that's dedication to the role. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he was also a supporting actor in that yeah. movie too. So he could he could have got a supporting. Uh, yeah, well, who but that won? One, I don't even know who won that year, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I did. Whoever yeah. wins it, they all deserve it. Oh, Jared They're Leto. Oh, nice. Jared Dude, Leto, I believe, such a good won actor, that year. Man. He and McConaughey won for Dallas Buyers Club. And I've told you I had dinner with him, right? That's my one claim to fame with Leto. No way. Or it was lunch. Well, it was dinner. It you had was, lunch. Uh, you had lunch with the Joker. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, this was probably in two thousand three, two. Oh, oh okay. Like so this was before it, I knew who he it was. was. The very beginning of his band when uh, thirty seconds. To thirty Mars. seconds to Mars started. We were nice. playing at the Gypsy Tea Room and we opened <laughs> nice. up for them. Nice. And Wait, who, who were you? Spaceman I was Spiff? In, yeah, Spaceman yeah, Spiff. Uh, nice. I played a bunch of Moog uh, synthesizers. Nice. But yeah, we were like a little, little indie uh, pop band. Um, That's badass. <laughs> but yeah, we, we played opening up for them. And uh, we were all going to eat, like our band. We were like, let's go grab a bite. And so it was him and his merch guy at the time uh, who were, they were both blazed out of their minds. Um, and I was not smoking at that time. No, yeah, but, yeah, right. right <laughs> but I was super jealous. Um, <laughs> but they ended up like, hey, they ended up inviting themselves on with us. Hey, where y'all y'all gonna get something to eat? So I knew who he was, but I didn't really recognize his career as much as other people did around the table. Sure. So it was really neat to kind of sit and and hear him and like he was asking us all these deep questions because at the time I was fucking you know doing the whole Christian thing and. Um, don't so roll he, your eyes, dude. I mean, uh, you were in it at the time. Well, I was wearing I was wearing costume. You sure. know, I wasn't able to speak to him without you were putting on feeling, a persona. Well, I couldn't. I wasn't having a real conversation with him. To if you really think about it, like yeah. I, I was having to be someone. Oh well, I've got to show him a good example of Christ. You know, yeah. And a good example of Christ is just me not even giving a shit that I'm a. You know, you're a good example doing of Christ of right stuff. now. Well, I. You know, I don't even know. But you're a good example of Christ teaching. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, love. I mean, come on, man. I mean, sharing sharing my thoughts without worrying about what someone thinks of them. I think that's right. all our right. I think everyone should be able to do that. But, you know, we had dinner and he was asking us a lot of questions about spirituality and all these things. And um, it, But then the meal ended up where he ended up getting up because so many fucking people started crowding around the outside windows because they, oh. they caught wind that he was there. Yeah. And... At this time, you know, he was, he's been in a bunch of movies and stuff like that. Uh, he had been by this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, so he's a, he's a famous celebrity and people in the restaurant, he ended up going table to table, like meeting people that were just looking at him, taking pictures and nice, stuff. Nice. And that's kind of how our meal ended. And then we did the show and we, did we you saw pay for his meal? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. Did he like know. stiff arm you with the check? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I know his merch guy ended up having to leave cause he was so high. <laughs> I think he had a little freak out uh, uh, moment, uh-oh. but, um, yeah. I, I, anyway, all that to say, uh, congrats, uh, Jared Leto, for beating out uh, Leo. The guys. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well done. To well wrap done. that back. Can't wait to see you as Joker. Yeah. Ah, he looks creepy. But no, I mean, I think with both these things we're talking about, Eminem, <clears throat> Simmons, these things, there's something about us as people living our lives and, and all of a sudden you deal with anger, you deal with these moments and some people, you know, I don't ever get angry. And I honestly, because I don't, I really don't know how much I believe that when people tell me that, like yeah. I never get angry. It's like, 
damn, what kind of life do you live? Like everything must be completely set where you're just yeah. in a little situation where you're just right. on a little spindle. Right. Nothing else is thrown in your, no sidewinders. There's no, you know, yeah, no right, exactly. Balls. Yeah, no chaos. Yeah, no chaos. And and some people, I, I do believe, have mastered that ability to, to do that. And that's what I'm striving for, I guess. Every yeah. time I remind myself, don't be angry at this situation. Don't get annoyed. Don't lose your temper. Don't get uh, impatient. Yeah. Those are things where I realize, oh, I I have to continue to practice this mentally because I want to get to the to the place where I really don't know whether that offends anybody in, in the future. I don't want to worry about, you know, oh, I have to be here at this time or I have to, things that would cause me stress. Like those are the things where you're supposed to realize everything's going to play out the way it needs to play out. I just right. have to do the things I need to do yeah. and I don't need to worry. Like worrying is the ultimate stress bomb, you know? Sure. Uh, there's also the flip side of dealing with stress in that proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, if there are things that's, that, that have deadlines and things that need to be done, the, the thing to do also, instead of avoiding those things or just being like tough, you know, it's it's going to happen when it's going to happen, is to plan properly so that they can happen in a in a way. Because I I also believe that like inspiration has to be genuinely felt, genuinely received, genuinely inspired. Um, yeah. But I do think that the more we work out our muscles of inspiration. Uh, the more quickly and easily we can call upon genuine, true inspiration when we set ourselves up for it. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, if I were to go and put off editing this web series that we're doing for Nora for weeks and weeks and weeks until the time comes where it's like it needs to get done, I can sit down and still genuinely cull the best uh, the best cut out of it as, as, as possible. Yeah. Um, because I know that I'm capable of it and I know that it's not something that uh, it's not something that I have to let that kind of a thing dictate the schedule. If I know a schedule, I know that I possess the ability to make it happen in my, in my own time. So I allow it to, I, you know, I allow myself to prioritize my life. Therefore those kinds of things no longer stress me out. Yeah. That's not how everybody works. It's not how everybody should work. But there do I feel as if it's it's in order to move forward in an artistic business world, there are two of those kinds of elements that do need to find a way to intersect. And that's part of what you were saying, you know, I mean, looking for management mm-hmm. um and and to a certain degree that's also having a persona yeah. Um, you and I, like we discussed this with the photo shoot. We were just talking about it. I mean, with Eminem and, and Richard Simmons potentially, like if those are personas, then they get to go out there and when they're in the world, when they're being public, that's who they are. And then when they're private, they get to be, you know, again, uh, the the flip side of his manic personality, he might have been a, a real introverted person. And now that he hasn't been doing anything like public and, and manic and real energetic and stuff in a while, he might have slipped into a fairly dark place due to his own his own way of dealing with what he has to be to the world yeah. in t- inside himself, you know? So I, I think that that's something that's that's a smart idea for artists to do because... If you go out there, like YouTube stars, I I wonder if they're completely genuine, and then that's completely them on all of their their channels and stuff like that. When they start like making these these blogs and and, yeah. and you know, um, because then they have nothing to retreat to. 
it's always them and they always are on or they are always, you know, just raw, raw dog in it in terms of like putting themselves out there. Yeah. And so what do you keep for yourself? That's, that's something that I think is very important in an artistic world. Oh, for sure. I'm, I don't, I don't experience it because I'm, I'm not looking to put myself out there really. I mean, but that's the thing is the more and more you become, because I, I can't, that's, that's where it gets a little different to me. It's like, I, I don't know if if Simmons ever necessarily sought out in his head to I'm going to be this character. I mean, he is who he is. So there's a side of me that's like that's who he is. Like he, act, why would someone put on like clearly Paul Rubens doesn't do Pee Wee at home, but he puts Pee Wee hmm. on as his persona. Yeah. And I mean, Andy Kaufman, same. It was all these different personas that he put on. And it was part of this thing where you know the media is a toy and you can play with it. And people are going to present you through this um, projector into people's homes a certain way. And you get to choose as that creative how you want to put yourself out there. And so it seems to me like Simmons is the type of guy that is that same guy at home, the difference is, is he probably shuts down and thinks and, and is, has, is dealing with potentially some of the truths that he's realized in being in the business for 40 years yeah. about how the world works, how dark the world is, being someone who is love, someone who does want to help people and does want to, um, because one of the things that, that I think was, he broke down on a, on some interview on Fox or something that I watched. Cause I, I really got into this article. I'm telling you, I yeah, started no, looking up is, stuff. It's fascinating. He, um, he had a breakdown because he was talking about, uh, just food, how people will go to food as a comfort and yeah. the foods that we go to when you don't have money, a dollar hamburger looks really good mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you don't have money in one hand and you have this emotional state of being in the other. And the best way to put your hands together and be kind of comfort yourself so that you can <laughs> is around a hamburger is around a hamburger. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's one of the things that he knows deep down how horrible food is in America, how kids are growing up obese, how, how it's just become this standard thing that people have diabetes and, you know, we talk about so many issues where it's like, we may not provide the best answers as to why we talk about some of the subjects we do, but there is something off when companies are allowed to create and put products out there that yes, first and foremost, people choose to put in their bodies. You know, the, the consumer ultimately does yeah. dictate someone's success or failure, but it's the way things are marketed. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference is when you have money, you can market yourself into existence. And yeah. that, I mean, you could be, absolutely nobody in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden someone gives you a billion dollars to play with and you have yeah. ideas yeah game on you will absolutely be a force to be reckoned with that's how it works is money does rule the land and it so does. whoever's some, got the gold makes the rules yeah and, and Simmons is is he's lived 40 years trying to cheer people up and there's nothing that could potentially cheer him up fully because of his own past maybe because of the like he he had his mansion and his dad one of the quotes his dad said to him that he said was um there's too many windows like his dad was still unsatisfied that uh. he bought this mansion built himself up into this look what i've done dad are you proud of me? You know, it's that whole fucking old fashioned story, but all of a sudden his dad's like, there's too many windows. It's going to be hard to insulate this place, blah, blah, blah. Like look of disappointment, all these things. It's like, what a dick. It's just strange to think about, you know, it's, it's the type of people, the type of mentality that that makes me think about. It's like, I don't want those people in my, in my life at all. No, I would cut them out immediately. And it's so strange to think that's your mom and dad. That's, yeah. I I mean, mean, that's, that's, that can get rough though. But, you know, it's it's war yeah. or uh, a spouse or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Like I watched this documentary, Soaked in Bleach, 
mm. uh, about Kurt Cobain. Oh, nice. And it was great. Um, but it seemed to me as if a lot of the people who were close to him um, really, I mean, could recognize the poison that Courtney Love was in his life. And yet, I mean, while he knew it and by the end he was trying to get himself out, like that was that was too much. You know, he was in too deep and like couldn't get away from it. But it, when it's your mom and dad, like that's tough. That is, that's gotta be the toughest thing in the world because for the first months and years of your life, they are the only person you interact with. Yeah. Really. Um, and so if suddenly you're not good enough for them, I don't know, that would, it would, it would have to take something outside, like some outside force in a very dramatic way for me to be like, oh yeah, fuck mom and dad. (laughs) That, that opinion that they're giving me is bullshit. I think it's understanding, uh, I mean, from what I've found, I feel like it's understanding that people are responsible for the way they behave to other people. Yeah. So if all of a sudden someone's shouting negative things at me, yeah. it's not It's not me that has the problem. It's this other person that has a problem in the way they see me. They it's saw like, something you did, right? Exactly. And it's, um, what was what was in uh, Trumbo? He goes, what? oh, it's when uh, Louis C.K. and yeah. uh, what's his name? Uh, Walter White. Walter White, it's when they're standing out by the lake and he goes, I thought you hated me, you know? And he goes, I don't hate you. You hate me. Yeah. You know, I I think I like you fine. That's what he says. And you hate me. Yes. And so it's interesting to think, oh, someone's perception of someone else is dictated because of the way they literally, you get locked in this cogged, greasy wheel that's just all mixed up in the cosmos of yes. like, oh, now I'm worried about what this person's thinking about me. It's my fault. And and so you start mentally closing down and questioning all the things that you're doing. And ultimately, it's not your problem. It's their problem. Right. If it's something you do recognize as something that's negative, negatively affecting who you want to be, yeah. then that that is something that is ultimately up to you. And I do think as friends go, like if someone's going to tell you like, like in this article, like his friends are concerned because they're like, this isn't his character. Yeah. What is his character? Sure. Maybe it is, you know, maybe his character was 40 years of this and that's what they got to see. And that's where they built their relationship. Yeah. But now his character's done. He's shut it off. And he just wants to sit at home and he's depressed about whatever, or maybe he's just fucking having a ball. Maybe he's not. Exactly. Maybe he's in there watching SpongeBob SquarePants having a blast, (laughs) man. I mean, it's... Who knows? I I can't say that I wouldn't be down for for just hermitizing myself, like especially in a world where I can get Amazon to deliver my groceries to me. I don't even have to open the door and greet a human being, let them leave it. And 10 minutes later, I'll go out and grab it. Yeah. Like, you know, I I can do that. I can get everything delivered to me. So if, if I wanted, if I was in the position to be like this reclusive kind of thing for the thing person for the rest of my life, like I, I, I'd consider it. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I would I would really want the interaction. So there's got to be some sort of I think there's there's a mental break. I mean, I can't remember what the test was, but there you when people are in seclusion long enough by themselves. I mean, even if you move into a like a small studio apartment for the first time or you live in your own place for the first time, there's an there's an amount of isolation. That's why people in prison like if they do something bad, they go into isolation. They're put in the uh, what is it called? The hole? Whatever. The hole, yeah. It's Ad a pitch seg. black room or whatever. Even in a in a, a lighted cell, if you're by yourself all day long, like these prisoners will communicate to each other. They te- they pass notes through the hallway on string and shit, like crazy or stuff. Or they start whispering into the air vents and you have yeah. no idea. You might be talking to somebody two floors down. But I bet you as eventually you figure out exactly who you're talking to and everyone yeah. knows the how each other communicate. Sure. I mean, life finds a way, exactly. according to Jeff Goldblum. Exactly. I, 
these kinds of these kinds of topics they're dear to me because I I feel like as we work on the things that we work on, like there's so many questions that we have to to ask ourselves. Like I'm I'm putting out a music video. I'm doing all these things with the music stuff. Like what kind of persona am I putting out there? We just did these photo shoots on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and and potentially. Uh, that that is the source of Maddie's stress and anxiety, which has led to her potential illness. That's of, right. Of sorts. I don't know. We're, yeah. That's to be assessed. Yeah, I mean, if you know the the meds she got, you know, was it's this like holistic kind of powder. Yeah, it's crack cocaine. <laughs> it's not crack cocaine. It's slippery elm powder. Slippery elm. Yeah, I mean, I take slippery elm. It smells good. Almost never, actually. It smells uh, very herbal. It's very granola. It's like if you walked into a hippie's house. It's probably what a hippie's house smells like. It's probably the the energized powder they put in Jamba Juice. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, it's 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 probably a mixture of that. Just like Shakeology is this. Like, um, well, although, I would question whatever Jamba Juice puts in a in a. Drink. Well, sure. Those, those sure. are not healthy shakes. It's got monosodium glycotrudamides or Lots whatever of- <laughs> the hell's in it. You know, and scoops of sugar. Um, well, sugar upon sugar upon yogurt. Yeah. People, people go, if you're truly trying to lose weight, you're not going to Jamba Juice. You got to go somewhere healthier. There's too much sugar in those drinks. Yeah. But it could be a good start. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't work, but it, it, it could be a good start for someone for sure. Could be. Like someone going from Frappuccinos, like that's my healthier thing is I'm going to do a, a, a tall. A Jamba Juice. Yeah. Oh, 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 from like a Trenta to like a people tall. people weaning themselves off of certain things, certain lifestyles. Cause like losing 300 pounds, like I can't even imagine being that, that heavy and having to, to lose 300 of it. I mean, dude, that's, that's, I know that's a level of mental power that someone has to have to really a- accomplish that. So it, it, for someone like him dedicating his life to do that for other people, that's yeah. fucking massive, dude. That's, I mean, it's, 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 that's Jesus Christ shit. I believe part of it is, is getting yourself back to stasis. And that's what's, that's what losing all of that weight would, would do. That's what's overcoming, um, emotional abuse as a child would, would, you know, it takes that because something has perverted your natural your natural experience and evolution of who you are and how you view yourself and your place in this world, somebody else has enforced their view of you on you. Your innocence is taken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's rapey. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. Um, so to pull yourself out of that hole is very difficult, I imagine. I mean, I, I, like you said, I can't imagine being 300 pounds, yeah. let alone having 300 pounds to lose and then gain, you know, getting to my weight. That means I weighed 475 pounds. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to believe in yourself 460 first. Pounds. I mean, it's like, shut up. Like how many people have lost certain amounts of weight? Who, who knows? You can't, you can't compare yourself to other people. You can be inspired by other people, but ultimately you have to believe in yourself first. Otherwise you're not going to do anything that you want to do. I'm not, you're not gonna be a great pianist. You're not gonna be a great painter. You're not gonna be a great writer. You're not, you have to believe in yourself and your ability to accomplish something. And I mean, I watched this documentary last night about, um, it was called the Barkley marathon, Berkeley marathons. Where did I see this? It's, uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's this insane race, dude. It's unbelievable. Oh, Sorry, mostly minutia. Oh yeah, uh, Colleen. One of her more recent episodes talks about the Berkeley. Marathons. Oh really? Yeah. So that's why Did that, you have someone on from thing, it. No clue. I just oh, saw okay. the title, Berkeley Marathons, and I had remembered seeing it as a, an option on Netflix. Yeah. So it's okay, badass. cool. So you watch this? Yeah. Tell, totally. tell me all about it, dude. For anyone out there that's interested in running and stuff like that, um, it's a great documentary. It's it, people from all over the world have come. It's out to the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. 
Um, okay. There's an actual town. I can't remember the name, but it's literally these dudes. It starts at a, you start it out at a park. Yeah. It's totally backwoodsy kind of a race, but nice. people know of this race because it's unbelievably intense and only like, I think 12, 13 people have finished it ever. And it's been around Whoa. since the late eighties, early nineties, something Whoa. like that. Marathons, right? Marathons. Yes. And so what happens is yearly, it, they charge a dollar sixty. Uh, those no. who they get like hundreds of applications, but they only accept a certain amount of people per per year. Okay, and it's a dollar sixty, and you have to bring a license plate from your home place. So interesting. They hang them up at the beginning. You see just a bunch of all the people that have raced from all over the world, okay. all their license plates that they brought and stuff. Nice, nice. But um, the marathon is you literally run off these trails into the woods. You have to do these. You have to do five separate 20-mile loops. 26.2-mile loops. 26.2-mile loops. If they're marathons, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you basically, each each loop, you, there's five of them, you have to come check back into camp. So after 20 miles of running through all this crazy terrain, because, and some people are like, oh, that's not a big deal. I could do that. Well, here's the thing. <sighs> I mean, Over the damn. course, if you do all five loops, you have basically climbed and descended Mount Everest twice. Wow. That's that's how much elevation your body goes through in that in that race. And so oh, it's a 60-hour race. You have 60 hours to complete it. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's insane. It's insane. It was super cool to watch how these guys train and how they support each other, even the ones that fall off. This is ridiculous. After like two, they call it the fun run if you get through three of the loops. And so a lot of guys that do it, that is their goal is to just finish the fun run because by like the third loop, the 80%- fun run. Three marathons yeah, is fun. Dude, be, before, uh, I think by loop three, like 80% plus of the runners have uh, already dropped off. I believe it. It's crazy. Like I I think after the first loop, 60% have dropped off. It's, it's intense. People train hardcore for marathons, man. It's mm -hmm. a big achievement. It's like, I mean, it was a big commitment for me to do the reset. Yeah. You know, 21 days of, of clean eating and stuff that I had never done. I'd never been that disciplined about my diet or anything like that. And I did it. I If I set my mind to doing a marathon, I would train for yeah. months, I imagine, you know, because I hate running. I hate but running. I mean, Dude, the, you know what the most beautiful thing about that documentary for me was? It's not them. It's the, it's not them finishing it physically. It's it's seeing their perseverance in this documentary at every single loop where they would come back and check in. They would eat a bunch of calories. Their wives would help them. Like they, dude, these guys got fucked up, man. They came in with bloody legs from all these different like uh, thorny bush things that right. they had. I mean, it is a relentless race, dude. There's no terrain. It's all GP. You have to map your own map. Everyone, you, the, oh, this is so brilliant for them to know on each loop that you hit each thing. Uh -huh. They've got books hidden at different checkpoints. Geocaches. Geocaches. Ah, uh, yeah, cool. So when you're a runner and you find each book, you have to tear a page out and put it in your own stash. And nice. so when you turn yourself in after your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth you loop, have your pages. you have to have all the pages. Ah, cool. And that's how they know. Cool. And and they put clever books out there like The Idiot is one of them. Like they, nice. he puts all these hilarious books out there almost toying with the runners along these certain paths. Like, Damn, that's great, It's brilliant, man. dude. And it's this, it's this backwoods race that these guys in Tennessee developed. And Crazy. It's, it's brilliant, man. It's named after a farmer. He has nothing to do with it. He's Barkley. never raced it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, but it's a, it's a race known all over, all over the world. And I had no idea about that. That's this so cool. So yeah, I just saw it on Netflix. I was like, Oh, that looks fascinating. Nice. I love, I love seeing people push themselves to the limit. And that's, yeah. what's in inspiring to me, no matter what you pursue, look at the way someone pushes themselves. And when you c accomplish something, even watching someone in defeat 
in, in tears because yeah. they wanted something so bad, but they knew their body was done. And it, it only should push you forward. It shouldn't be, this didn't happen. It's you realizing how massively monstrous this mountain is. You know, like yeah. uh, there was this one runner who, I think after three or four loops or something, all the people that were there, like at the line, when he decided it was over and they always do taps, any runner that's done, they, they, oh yeah, they, they play taps. taps. They nice. Play taps. Yeah, nice. Um, but they always ask, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You're done. You're done. And it was just, it, I don't know, just like seeing this runner just kind of just in his own world and you just see tears running down and then you see people around him that aren't even racing and you see them in tears because yeah, they understand. Right, it's a powerful moment. They understand. And that, that to me is, I think, what it takes within each person to recognize if you don't have that drive for yourself to get better, to get healthy, to get to accomplish whatever the hell you care about. Yeah. If you don't have that drive, there's no one on the planet. There's no Richard Simmons on the planet that can do it. They can do encur- it for you. encourage you. Right. But you first and foremost have to take in that inspiration and then know if this guy did it, I can fucking do it. And nice. you can do it. Nice. And you can do it better most times, honestly, if you think about it. I mean, it. of course, you'll be able to do it to your standards. If you're truly doing something that you want to do and you're gonna you're going to do it to your best ability, you're you're gonna achieve great things, especially yeah. in your eyes. And one of the things the founder yeah. said was, yeah, it's like just because you don't make it to the very end of the race, every single runner discovers what their goal was within that race. And, and there's such a bond that they all create. There's like this level of respect that is undeniable in, yeah. that, in that world. And yeah. so it, it just makes me like, it inspires me. I'm not a runner. And no. that shit inspires me because I'm like, man, I want to run now. I want to yeah. be a runner. Wanna, well, of course, it's meant that. to. I mean, well, well executed documentary. I've never experienced style. that kind of intensity. You know, yeah. like I've played and had to perform and, com- and, and I committed to playing on an arena level stage. Right. That's, and that's a big deal. scary to think about even yeah. now. But yeah. But it's it's literally pushing yourself to the scary limit. Yeah. Sorry, I know I'm going off on this stuff. But. Well, no, I was I was going to say what you were talking about leads us into a topic we should uh, we should address a little bit. Like you, have, dude, since I've known you, you were introduced to me as Joe Morales. He's a musician. Yeah, I mean that's singer songwriter. Like that is that is how I've always uh, I've always identified you even throughout this whole podcasting thing. Man. And now you realize I'm Joe Morales, the idiot. You're, you're Joe Morales, like the, the book, the buffoon, <laughs> uh, like, like clown school, you know, oh, I mean, which is, which is beautiful. That is a, that is a very personal side of you. Um, but f- for me, Joe Morales, the musician has always been like your primary, your primary fi- filing in my brain. Um, and you came to me this week and we're talking about, um, exactly what you were saying that your, your desire to, to have more focus and be more driven yeah. towards the, uh, the career that you set out to do for yourself years ago, long before me, long before the podcast network. I mean, it's what you were saying earlier. It's like you, you plan things, it's planning things. You have to plan everything that we do, especially because we are working in a business. And, and I know my, my, my first passion for one is just making stuff with whoever, I don't know who it is. I don't care what it is. If I, if I can team up with someone, and write a song or I, we can write out a script or we can, that's what initially gets me. But as someone who's trying to put the material out there, you have to do the business. And so, um, that's, that's been the most difficult thing I would say in the last few years, you know, you and I have done Elf Tree Media. We've been building all this stuff, working with all these amazing people on their projects as well. Um, when we have a couple amazing ones coming up, uh, just on the horizon, but it's, it, it kind of, 
makes me, you know, it makes you realize, dang, you really have to focus on one thing that you're really, really good at. Otherwise, everything else suffers. And how do you do that? It doesn't mean you can't do all those things, but if you want to really make something great, if you want to sculpt something, you have to do nothing but sculpt this thing. Yeah. And, I, uh, yeah. No, so, I mean, no, well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I always saw myself, you know, ever since I've been here for about six, eight months before I moved out here, like podcasting became something that was, uh, fascinating to me. But whenever I saw it in my brain, uh, it was never what I did. It was the supporting elements of what I did. It's what yeah. I did for fun. It's what I did, but but possibly had an audience. Um, and so it's it's taken a lot of my focus as well um, away from the things that I came out here to do. That's not to say that I'm not still positioning myself properly to get where I want to go. Um, it's just, you know, it has been, that stuff has been a peripheral in my focus yeah. lately. Um, and so, you know, hearing you kind of talk about those, those desires in your life really inspired me as well. Yeah. I mean, I think in the last few years we've been building stuff, we've been making things to actually like, you know, talking with Nora today about, uh, the short film, like we were realizing on, on, the calendar, here's what's going on on the calendar and here's what's possible in all these different locations of that calendar. And yeah. as we build these projects, like all of a sudden now you and I are working on a ton of other things outside of the podcast that are now when we do do the podcast, there's editing, there's all the time that it goes into building all this stuff. There's, it's a financial commitment. We have spent, I don't know how much money, but a lot, a lot of our own money to do this because it's a passion we have and, and that's how it should be. It is our passion. Um, but essentially, you know, we, we are people creating things that like with music, I've got these two EPs coming out. So I'm going to have to start building all the materials to go along with that marketing campaign to get the music out there because I want it to go as far as it can go. And that means focusing on that one right. thing like we did with uh, ThoughtForm to put the Kickstarter together. I think it was undeniable of the work that we put in it and the work that people who appreciate that kind of thing, I think people saw it. I think people saw the 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 amount of work we put in it, but we still learned what we didn't do correctly yeah. that we can do next time in the future. And so, you know, we've kind of hit this point where we our plates are full. Our plates are getting really full Very. on the things that we are passionate about. And we're going to have to take a little time to 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 focus on projects that we do have finished in the bag. Like these two EPs are basically done yeah. and uh, now it's time to market them. And that's a whole focus in itself of how to balance that stuff out. That's, that's the only way I know how to explain it is, um, well, I can imagine our audiences at home listening and they're like, what is this? What, what does this mean? What does this mean? What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> Just say it. Um, Just say it. I think we're we're basically saying. I mean, we got to take a break. We've we gotta, are we've taking gotta, a break. Not necessarily call it quits. We're not um, quitting. But but we've got we've got a lot of things that we want to do, and a lot of things that we want to bring to our audience and to the people who hang out with us here on High Dare. Yeah. Um, so in order to do that, in order to have things to bring to you and to show off and to like shout out from the rooftops of high air, like this is what we're doing. Check yeah. it out, everybody. We've got to actually do these things. Yeah. We've got to actually have some stuff cooking, uh, or McCooking. McCooking. I mean, that's the thing. It's <laughs> like, you know, I, I act as my own management. You know, we there's so many things that have to be accomplished in in working the music industry, the film industry, that 
teams of people are what usually, like you and I could just sit here and do these shows and someone else edits, right. someone else deals with all the marketing of it, right. the tweeting, then writing the descriptions and sourcing the blog together. The, you and know, that's it's the businessy way to, to, to do this. Absolutely. You know, it, it, and you know, we're, we're building this company, which is, man, it's going to be, I, I just see it in the future of what it's going to be. And yeah. so as we have to kind of hone in our time on, uh, the certain projects, that is our goal guys. While we're off the show is to, uh, it's going to be worth it because we're going to be shifting that focus into some of the projects that we know will carry us forward to actually make whatever the hell we want without having to worry on our finances of how to fund these things properly. Yeah. Yeah. We've done, I think, gosh, we have 124 or five episodes of podcasts. Of all of our different shows. I mean, that's a lot, dude. It's a lot. That is, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but. And each show is definitely minus exception of a handful, one handful yeah. of, of shows. They're all over an hour. An hour long. So you're talking over a hundred hours of us having conversations. I've thought this for a little while. Um, I can't, I can't think of Elf Tree Media as the four of us if I want it to be more than the four of us. I have to think of it as, um, you know, as big as I want it to be, Fox or something like that, or Disney. Like I have to treat... I have to treat Elf Tree Media as if it's as professional as those major corporations, yeah. major companies. Like, because there are ways to do things, there are steps that need to be taken. There are, you know, methods. I mean, that's what we have to do. Those these things that we don't know how to do, we have to go and learn them and 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 research them. Yeah. Um, and then fit them into our methodologies. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the part that I will rely on people like you and people like Shelby and Martin. The things that I learn need to become us, yeah, um, and and ours for it to be something that we want to continue to do in this this way, you know. So that all, you know, to be said, we have to earn. We have to earn yeah, moments like this. Absolutely, I, I mean, think. I mean, I, I think you're rewarded. The universe giveth whenever you um, put the put energy, it into it. Put the energy in. And, what if you've gotteth? Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, man. I mean. Uh, Yes, this is this is kind of the tail tucky thing. Is our goals are to have these things self sustaining, not out of our own pocket of of other things. We want all of these projects that we're building to have purpose, to have some sort of uh, self sustainable um, longevity. Like they, we want this show to stand on its own. The, whatever shows we put out in the future, we want them to garner um, massive audiences. I, like that is the dream is to get the music to the higher levels. So it's, you know, there's the game playing and it's the game I loathe so much, but yes. it's also the game I understand. I, it, you know, if we keep building a platform, if we want to have a voice and change the world and put these positive things out there for people to actually, you know, next time I'm in traffic, I listen to high and maybe I'm going to now, because I heard it and it's mirrored back in my own consciousness. Yeah. I'm not going to get that angry this time. You know, yeah. it's, it's things like that, that I do feel are worth, uh, putting our energy into. And that's, that's where we're going. I mean, we're going to take a break and go and put that energy into the music, into filmmaking, and hopefully be able to jump back on to number 70 in the future and have a fucking kick-ass story to tell you about all the things that we've uh, been doing and, and where the time has gone. Cause that's, that's ultimately the thing we've noticed is so fucking precious is time. Hi there, everybody. We're finally back. Hey, we're old men now. We lived great lives. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're in our earth ships We're in, in Utah. <laughs> in We've become Mormons. Utah. Yeah. I had never considered living in Utah. 
Yeah, Utah's beautiful, man. Can I give you a couple quotes of Richard Simmons that I love? Yeah. Um, Only if you'll give me one quote of Richard Simmons that you loathe afterwards. Okay. The real pride, the real present is your health and your longevity. My whole career, I have never done anything where competition was involved with weight loss. Yeah, it can't be a competition. Yeah. It's only a competition between you and your lazy ass self. Just be inspired. You don't have to um, be inspired by others, but don't think that you have to achieve what others have achieved. Achieve your own things. Here's another one. Um, Everyone in this world is somehow connected. So why not just be nice to everybody? Right. (laughs) Right. Because that shit does come around to you. This one maybe, and uh, that's karma. This I don't even understand this this quote. My nickname is Dicky Jukebox. I own thousands and thousands and thousands of songs. Oh, I get it now. I didn't know it when I was glancing at it. That's hilarious. <laughs> what? I know thousands and thousands and thousands of songs. So he's probably because of all his workout things. He just knows so much music. Maybe I know I it would go perfectly here. But I know the the jukebox thing. That's okay. The got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, no tricks, no gimmicks, special pills, special potions, special equipment. All it takes is desire and will. No tricks, gimmicks, special pills, special potions, special equipment. All it takes is desire and will. That's nice. brilliant. That's it, it. That sums it up. I don't even want to read anymore. I mean, what a what better way to end out 69 of High Dare yep. than with that right there. Yep. Richard Simmons taking us out. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on this journey, everybody. Yeah. And uh, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out to what we got going on. There's lots on the horizon. It definitely. Yeah. Um, we'll be back. For ever on High Dare. <laughs> oh, uh, no, just for this week and for the foreseeable future. And uh, for this week on High Dare, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And uh, break a sweat. We, we got to go. Follow us on Twitter at high underscore dare. And be sure to check us out online at enterthealftree.com for all you old school dot comers. <laughs>